welcome to the Vineyard Boise Sunday Message Podcast. You can join us live on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on Facebook, YouTube, and vineyardboise.org slash live. Subscribe to our message podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And if you'd like to support Vineyard Boise, you can give online at vineyardboise.org slash give. Today's message is brought to you by Pastor Trevor Estes. Enjoy. Time of worship there. Sure appreciate. I sure appreciate our team. Uh, you know, from our worship team to our media team, and and uh, you know, a lot of work has gone into this series that we're launching today. Behind the scenes, before before we ever got to today's day one of this forty day prayer launch, um, so much work has gone on. And really been a labor of love. I've, I've been reading the devotions that Pastor Mike has prepared for us. And he just did such a phenomenal job of listening to the heart of our team as we were, as we were just trying to discern what God would have for us. And then taking that and fleshing it out with scriptures and with prayer prompts. Um, just really, really beautiful. So, um, yeah, I'm grateful. So... Um, I'm going to start with a little bit of housekeeping, as, as I just mentioned. Uh, well, if you're new, if you're joining us online, or maybe you're on campus, and uh, this is your first time here, maybe you haven't been here for a little while, uh, you, you're here for a perfect time because we're, the, today's day one of a 40-day series on prayer. And it's, it's an invitation to, uh, to us together as a church to engage in prayer. We're gonna, it's going to be a guided prayer uh, through each six weeks of this time. And, uh, and so we've got a, a little video that Mitchell and Pastor Mike prepared that kind of walks through the, kind of the structure of what this is going to look like. And so we're going to play that video right now. And, and as we do that, I just want to say this is, it's informational. It's, it describes what to expect and how this is all laid out, how it's organized. But more than just being informational, we hope it's invitational. We hope that, that every single one of us would choose to engage at some level in this 40 days of prayer, that, um, that we would start off this new year with collaborative, unified prayer where we're um, together as a, as a spiritual family, a faith community, that we're praying and inviting God's will and his work first in us, because we want to be transformed, to be more like him, but also through us because we know that our world desperately needs God's presence and love and power. And so uh, we're, we're praying for all of that. So here's the, here's the video. We are rooting ourselves into six weeks of prayer, seven days each week, in which we will focus on six different areas as we engage in three mutually reinforcing ways. The six areas of focus, beginning with each of us individually and then circling outwards. Personal, your inner and outer life. Home, where we live, whether alone or with others, and our immediate neighbors. Church, our spiritual community. City, our local community. Nation, the collective community of our nation. World the collective body, society, and systems of humanity. The three levels of engagement, private or personal, that's one on God. Small group, that's two or three or a few more. Corporate, which would be the larger gatherings. 
Engage personally in the devotions, knowing that others throughout this community of faith are doing the same and praying the same prayers alongside you. Engage in prayer around the table or with your group or in random encounters with others. Engage in corporate opportunities such as morning prayer on campus Sunday through Thursday. Perhaps just pick at least one day to go and engage. And in our Sunday corporate gatherings. It is here, in prayer, that we will find our desert blooming and the rivers running again as we find ourselves being caused to lie down in green pastures. Let us begin. All right, so confession. We've been saying 40 days of prayer. It's actually 42. <laughs> because... Because it's six weeks, and we didn't want to like get to Friday of the sixth week and go, well, now we're done. So we're going to see it all the way through 42 days. But, but basically, we're going to spend uh, the next six weeks working our way from that core that began with personal prayer, bringing our, our own lives before God, but then praying for our, our homes, and then for our church, and for our city, and our nation, our world. We're going to spend one week on each of those themes. And... Uh, and our hope, again, it's that every single one of us would choose to engage at some level with this. That um, you know, I, I, there's a prayer app that Andrea and I pray through, and, and this this beginning of this year, they've been talking about uh, creating or cultivating a culture of of quietness, uh, of, of being still before the Lord, and just allowing Him to to guide us in our prayer life, and to use that as a place of shaping for us. And that's our heart for this time of prayer, that, that as a church that we would be cultivating a, uh, an atmosphere of prayer and a posture of prayer, uh, that we would open ourselves to God's work, first in us and then also through us. So at the core of that 40 days, like you, know, you saw that there's, there's, there's a personal aspect to it, and then there's the, the more intimate aspect of gathering or sharing prayer with a few others, and then there's the corporate aspect, which really is, is kind of like our Sunday gathering, whether, whether you're online or on campus. But, but I want to talk about that personal prayer for just a moment before we get into today's text, because that personal prayer, that is, that is at the core. That's the foundation of all of this, because it's each one of us engaging with God personally, engaging with our Heavenly Father, engaging with our Lord and Savior, engaging with the indwelling Holy Spirit, and creating that place where we're saying, God, I'm going to make some space and ask you to fill that. So uh, the, we have the personal prayer prompt. That's really guided by our daily devotions. Uh, you know, we have a model where Pastor Mike and, and Rihanna Freeman together, they create devotions for us every week. Um, this rhythm that we're, as we go into this 40 days, is going to be a little bit different than normal because normally those devotions prepare us for the Sunday that we're, that we're moving towards. So that by the time you get here on Sunday, you've already spent personal time in prayer, devotionally in that passage we're going to be in. And that's, that's a, a model that we really value because we, we want people to, to have, we want us together to have that chance to engage with God personally. And so um, that's our model. During this 40 days, the, the, the devotions are going to flow out of Sunday. And so this, today we're going to be um, introducing this theme of personal prayer, but then we're going to be engaging that devotionally over the next six days. So um, 
I want to talk about there's, there's three ways that you can access and engage those devotions. If you don't already do that, if you already do that, whatever mechanism you normally use for that is going to be uh, functional for, for this series as well. But if you don't regularly engage in our devotions, this is a good 40-day sprint for you to try it and see if, if God doesn't uh, use that time and, and maybe even develop a, a more lifetime habit for you. We, we do know that 40 days is about the amount of time it takes to cultivate a new habit. And so secretly... That's kind of our hope, is that if you don't have a, a daily devotional habit or rhythm in your life, that maybe as a result of this, that that will be awakened and, and cultivated in you. So um, there's three options for how you can access and engage those devotions. I'll put up another one of these QR codes here. Uh, this one, if you scan this QR code with your smartphone, uh, it's going to take you directly to our webpage that is, um, it's vineyardboys.org, 40 days of 40 days. So you can also just type that in, but if you touch that link that pulls up from your QR code on your camera, it'll take you there. And that's that page, vineyardboys.org slash 40 days, that is going to be your kind of one-stop shop for the next 40 days. Okay, it's going to have uh, the, the three ways that you can access the devotions. Uh, so um, you can sign up to have them emailed to you daily. If you don't want to get them all at once, I'll show you the, if, you, uh, if you downloaded the full PDF, it's a big document. This is like, this is the whole thing. And it's, you know, this is two-sided and, and in a lot of color. And so if you don't want to print that, <laughs> um, you, can you can get the daily trickle, just an email every day. And so today's will come out to probably around 11 o'clock, 11.15 today. You're going to get the first email if you sign up for that. And, uh, and then after that, they'll be coming out early morning. And so by the time you wake up, it's probably going to be in your inbox. But it'll be just a daily prayer prompt. Uh, secondly, you can subscribe to the podcast. You, so if you're, if you're getting the email, that's for more of a written version. If you want to hear it read, read to you, then you can subscribe to the podcast. And whatever platform you, you might use for podcasting, it should be there. Uh, there's the links for it there on, on that page. Or, or alternatively, so you can... You can Sign up for the email so you can read it every day. You can uh, subscribe to a podcast so you can get it dropped to your, your podcast platform every day. Or you can download the whole 40-day document at once and get it as a PDF. And you can save that on your device or your computer and, and, uh, and you can utilize it that way. So we know we all have different preferences for how we engage and take in material. And so we've tried to make that accessible to you. But it's not complicated. It's just about a daily devotional prompt that allows you to, to get into that space of just placing yourself before God, as we're all doing in the same way. So um, we do have a prayer card that you can pick up today on campus. Um, if you're on campus, you got this as you came in. It's a, it's a two-sided uh, just kind of overview of the six weeks. And so there's a column that lists each of those six weeks. And, uh, and we also passed out these last week. Um, these are, are just, they have the imagery that we're going to be using throughout this series. And on the back, it's a commitment card that asks you a few questions to help you think about how might you engage in the series. And, um, and you know, we, we, we all know as human nature that sometimes we intend to do things, and sometimes those good intentions don't turn into actual commitments or actions. And so we tried to write this card in a way that, that helps you to create a commitment that's between you and God and say, God, I, I want to commit to this. Would you help me? And, uh, and I truly believe this is on God's heart more than it is on ours. And that if we ask God to lead us in this, that he's going to do that work in all of us. So a um, lot of ways you can use those devotions they, as they come out. Uh, you can use them depending on your temperament and preference. Uh, I know for me, uh, I engage most, um, most readily with God when I sit down and I dial down. 
uh, I need to sit down in the chair next to our fireplace or, or maybe in the chair in the bedroom with the dog sitting next to me. And I need to kind of dial down and just get quiet, whether I'm reading them or listening to them. Uh, for me, I need to dial down. Other people are kinetic and you need to be up walking around. Maybe you need to go on a walk outside or, or go for a run or, or maybe it's while you're doing you know, just daily chores. Maybe it's while prepping a meal or, or, or cleaning up after a meal. So there's lots of ways you can do that. You can do it while you're driving. You can redeem your commute. Don't read them while you're driving, but you can listen to them. Uh, if you download the podcast, it's something you can do, and uh, that's another way I engage. Um, I just don't close my eyes while I'm praying. Pray with your eyes open. Jesus did that, so it's cool. Um, you know, he, scripture says that a lot of times it says that Jesus, looking up into heaven, then prayed. So he prayed with his eyes open. So um, anyway, uh, there's a lot of ways you can engage with that. Um, but just remember, even as we're doing those 40 days, uh, if you miss a day, tomorrow's a new day. Don't beat yourself up or don't just give up and quit and say, oh, well, I missed it. Now, now it's all gone. Like, tomorrow's a new day. So there you go. So here's what to expect as you engage in those. Um, and this is, this is where I want you to, to, to really hear this because there's going to be two scriptures every day. There's a banner scripture that's over the week. And every Sunday, we're going to introduce that banner scripture. So uh, each day, as you look at the daily prayer point, each day will begin with the same banner prayer for the week. So for example, week one is Psalm 139. That's where we're going to be in just a few moments. Uh, but after reading and praying through that week's banner prayer each day, then there will be a unique reading and prayer point for that day. And so if you picked up this, the prayer card that has the overview, it shows what the, the unique scripture and prayer point is for each day. I just, put, I just sampled week one for you there on the screen so you can see what that's going to look like. So today, this morning, I, I downloaded the podcast and I listened to this morning's devotion, sitting by the fire and uh, with a cup of coffee and with my dog and listened to Pastor Mike read Psalm 139 over. And then, uh, and then he read this Second uh, Peter 1, 3 through 11 and then asked a few questions to just kind of create a prayer prompt to think, okay, what does it look like for me to respond to that? I will tell you this, Mike kind of reads straight through and uh, today's is probably a little bit longer than most of them because it's the orientation. Uh, most of them are going to probably be around six, seven minutes long if you're listening to the podcast. You can pause that. If you're listening to it on your phone, you can pause it and take a moment to pray. Like if, if Mike asks the question, it says, well, what about this? You can pause that and then take that to God in prayer, and then you can resume and, and keep working your way through. So if you're reading it, that happens pretty naturally, but sometimes with the podcast, you have to pause it. So, um, so that's what it's going to look like. Um, if you're reading the written version, I don't believe the written version is going to contain Psalm 139 every day. So you're going to have to look that up in your own Bible or pull it up in your own app. I think Mike's model in the one when he's doing the podcasting for us is he's reading it from a different translation every day of the week. And so we get exposed to several different translations. And, you know, sometimes you hear something that you've heard before, but you hear it differently when you hear it in a new, a new translation. So, um, so that's what it's going to look like. And then if you're doing the written part, you can you can uh, read whatever translation you prefer. So uh, that's at the core. At the heart of this series is the daily personal prayer. There's also the two other levels of engagement uh, in addition to that. So that's praying with others, sometimes in intimate settings, sometimes in larger corporate expressions. So uh, if you're thinking about uh, what it might look like for me to, to connect with other people during this series in prayer as far as that more intimate gathering, that's with one or more people. Okay, so that could be with uh, a family member. 
could be with uh, a spouse or another family member over, or a household member over coffee or breakfast. Uh, could be happen at the dinner table. Uh, it could be just a weekly sharing, a check-in, where you check in with somebody that's a part of your life that you trust to be, to be pretty transparent with and say, hey, as we w- work through this personal prayer theme this week, here's what I'm praying for. Would you join me in that? And how can I pray for you? And so that can happen in person. It can happen over a cup of coffee or over lunch or a meal. It can happen over a text thread. Uh, my life group, we've decided that we're going to text one another and we, use, we have a text thread that we use anyway, but we're going to use that to just share, hey, this week, this is what I'm praying for as it relates to this. So you can connect with your, your life group, your recovery group, or a ministry group. I know some, many of you are involved in ministries around, around the church or, or maybe even outside the church. And, as, and you can join with your ministry group and say, hey, during this 40 days, can we share our prayer you know, areas together and, and then commit to praying for each other? And then lastly, the corporate gathering, that's our, our Sunday gathering. And I just want to encourage you to be present. I know that, um, you know, right now with, with things going on in our world, is specifically with, with a new COVID variant that's highly transmissible, I know more people are staying home and, and needing to be cautious about that. But I want to encourage you, if you're joining either online or on campus, to be present over this next six weeks, because we're going to very intentionally work through these six areas of prayer focus. And I do believe that God has something for us together as a faith community in that. So um, that's the nuts and bolts of what this series is about. Uh, I'm gonna, we're gonna turn now to our banner passage for this week that we're gonna be in each day this week. That's Psalm 139. And uh, Psalm 139, it's an invitation for God to know us as we truly are, to, to see us as we truly are, and to shape us into who he's made us and calling us to be. To, to welcome God's, God's uh, presence in our lives and his awareness of us personally. And then to say, God, I want you to know me and I want you to transform me into who you've made me to be. Trans- transform me to be more like Christ. Each day this week, we're going to root into that personal invitation and then bring ourselves before God with a specific area of focus. So uh, you can turn to Psalm 139 if you want, uh, in your app or your Bible. Um, here's what I've been thinking about this week. I've been thinking about this uh, propensity that we have as humans to try to manage the way that others see us, okay? To manicure and cultivate our own image so that we control how others see us. Uh, For sure, I think this is something that we do consciously at times. Sometimes we realize that we're presenting a very, uh, you know, tailored image, a selective image of ourselves, uh, maybe even a false image of ourselves to somebody else. Sometimes we're aware we're doing that, uh, I think far often than not, we don't even realize we're doing it. We're doing it on a subconscious level. We're not fully cognizant of the fact that we're manicuring our image to, to attempt to control what other people think about us or see about us. So just, here's a few examples. Uh, we dress and we groom ourselves in a way that presents the image that we want others to see. And there's a reason that we cho- choose that outfit and not that outfit. There's a reason we bought that outfit and not that outfit. There's a reason we choose that hairstyle and not that hairstyle we had 20 years ago. Like there's, there's lots of choices we make and it has to do with how we want to be seen by others. We filter and censor our, our thoughts and our beliefs and our desires, hoping that the ones that get externalized show us in a good light. You realize we do this, that we don't, say everything that's in here or in here. We've, we've, when people that don't do that, well, we think they're psychotic, right? 
They just blurt it all out. <laughs> we hide the parts of our inner world that might bring judgment from others. There's a, a sportscaster this week that forgot about this. And he was being interviewed on live radio, and he, uh, he made a statement. He said uh, he was being asked how he was going to vote as it relates to uh, MVP, most valuable player of this year's NFL season. And essentially, he said, well, I can tell you what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to vote for that guy because that guy's a jerk. And it created this firestorm because, well, in the sports world, is, is MVP, most valuable player, is that about best character? And whether or not you like that person, or is it about their contribution on the field? And so it created this big lightning storm. And, but here's the thing. I heard one sportscaster say this. Also, he's, he's talking about what his, you know, his other, his, you know, partner in broadcasting said. He said, he said, you know, the reality is we all have judgments about people. We all have things that we think about people and judgments about who they are. And we have preferences and people we like and people we dislike. And the reality is that does enter into the way that we vote. Maybe it shouldn't, but it does. But you can never say that. You can't tell people that, right? In other words, it's okay if you think it, but you... So, and, and here's the nature. And just, just time out. This is the world that we live in. We have this thing that's, that's come to be known commonly as cancel culture. And cancel culture is this idea that if somebody does something or says something that's, that's deemed unacceptable by the culture at large, they get pounced on. And, and, and what we learn, what, what this teaches us is that, oh, if I speak up about this thing or if I do that thing, that's going to get me in trouble. And so it leverages shame and fear to keep us from externalizing those things. What it doesn't do, here's what cancel culture cannot do, is it can't change who people really are. It can just change what people present, right? And so that's what happened here is, is like, well, everybody pounced on this guy and the reality is, well, you just remember next time you can't say that out loud. You can still have judgments. You can still think that person's a jerk. Just don't say it. We wear clothes that are slimming, we avoid clothes that bring attention to things that we don't like about ourselves. This is why a spouse might ask their, their spouse and say, uh, how does this look on me? Notice the question, the question isn't, do you like this garment of clothing? It's, does it accentuate me in a way that's desirable or not, right? We use products. <laughs> we use products that hide our age and our blemishes and our hairlines. We buy products that wordlessly communicate to others our values and our status and our accomplishments. And we do this all the time without even thinking about it. But think about this. When you meet somebody, and maybe you see somebody that you don't even know, or maybe you just met them, but the first time you see what vehicle they drive. And we automatically have some assumptions about that, that communicates something about them, about their values, about their accomplishments. And, and when we choose cars, when we have the opportunity to, we choose cars that communicate what we want to communicate, our values. You know, we tattoo our bodies, we pierce our bodies, we clothe our bodies, we expose our bodies, always manicuring the image that we want to present to the world. At times, this, this desire to control and manage the way other people think about us, it becomes really obvious and overt to others. Like we, we think we're being clever, but everybody else can see it. 
I remember a time I was uh, going to school in Hawaii. This is post-high school. I was going to school in Hawaii. It's an international school. We were living in community and and attending uh, classes together. So we were together all the time. And we'd been uh, together in this school for several weeks. And one night there was a group of us that we were sitting around late at night, sitting in the library talking. And we were, just, we were just sharing stories. You know, we'd all come from different parts of the country, some people even from other parts of the world. And so we're just sharing stories about our, our lives and our home life. And, and one girl uh, pulled out her senior photo and she passed it around. And, and of course, this, was, this is the early 90s, so this is her, her senior photo from the late 80s, which means she had big 80s hair. It was all teased out and, you know, whatever, and quail puff. And she was, she was made up, and she was touched up, and she was brushed up, and the photo was airbrushed. And, and in the photo, she had a perfect complexion, and in person, her complexion wasn't perfect. But as she passed it around, here's what she said to us. She said, this is what I really look like. And I looked, ac- I looked across the, this little group of us, and I looked over my friend Troy, and we looked at each other like, is she messing with us? Is she for real? Like, are you really saying to us that the person that we've been going to school with and living in community with for the last, you know, four or five weeks is not the real you, but that this, this image is you? Is, is that right? And, and, we, and we looked at her to see, if, was she being ironic or sarcastic? And she wasn't. She was being, you know, she, there was no guile. There was no desire to deceive us. She was just being really earnest. But here's what she meant by it. What she meant is, if I had the time and the wherewithal to fix myself up each day the way that I want to be seen by you, this is what I would do. I'd make myself look like this. This is what you'd see if I could do that. I'm going to suggest that we all do that to some degree. Maybe not in the same way, maybe in different ways, but we all try to highlight the things that will be acceptable to those whose opinions we value. And then we downplay or maybe even hide the things that would be viewed negatively by those same people. Now, we don't all have the same group of people we're trying to impress, but there's someone whose opinion matters to each of us. Individuals, a group, and and we do. We cultivate an image to try and impress them. But here's the question. Here's kind of the thesis for today. What if that's not really working? What if even when we manage to convey the image that we, that we hope to and, and they accept us because of it, what if that's not truly satisfying because they ha- aren't really accepting and loving us? After all, if you only love and accept the curated and manicured version that you've presented, people aren't really loving and accepting you or me. They're just loving the mask that we've held up the image that we've created. And I'm going to suggest that in an even deeper than, than this, we have a deeper need to be known as we truly are, accepted as we truly are, loved as we truly are, warts and all. What if people knew everything about us, even the things that we don't really want to share, and we were loved? And what if out of that place we were able to keep becoming the best version of ourselves, the person that we were actually made to be? What if, what if that's our deepest need? 
Psalm 139 that we're going to be in today and throughout this week, I'm, I'm, what I hope to do is to kind of set the table for you that you can feast on this psalm this week. And, and it's a psalm in which David has learned a secret. He's, he's made a discovery that has transformed his prayer life. It's allowed him to receive God's love as he is right now, but also not stay the way that he is right now. You know, at the vineyard, we, in the very early days of Boise Vineyard, we had a bumper sticker that said, uh, come as you are, you'll be loved. And we would say to people, and, and so that, that's, that's what the bumper sticker said, come as you are, you'll be loved. Um, when people came to our 101 class, we would say, oh, by the way, there's a part two to that bumper sticker that is just not printed on the car or the truck. <laughs> but what it says is, come as you are, but don't stay as you came. Because we believe that God is, is in the process of transforming us, that as we bring ourselves to God, as we come to know him, that he's turning us into the people that he's made us to be. Psalm 139 is a place where David has been empowered to be both loved and to be transformed. So let's go there. Verse 1. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down, and you are acquainted with all of my ways. Okay, that, that first line of the psalm, I bolded that because that's the organizing theme of the prayer. It, it's the beginning of the prayer. It's also going to be the end of the prayer. It's the book ends. But in this opening stanza, David applies that, and he says, basically he says, God, you are omniscient as creator. Omniscience means that, that God knows everything. And as David begins this prayer time, he begins it not with going straight to himself. He begins thinking about God and says, okay, God, I, I recognize that you know everything. And, and as David begins to, to think about this and consider that, he's not reflecting about how God knows everything in general. He's reflecting on the fact that God knows everything about him specifically. This is the beginning place, place for authentic prayer for personal prayer, in which we bring ourselves before God. David goes on and he says, even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. David, it's as if David could say, you know me better than I know myself. Even before I've articulated a sentence that's going to come out of my mouth, you know what I'm going to say because you know me better than I know myself. Now, here's the thing. One might expect that this kind of knowledge, and David's going to go on to talk about this, that, that there's nothing that he can hide from God, nowhere he can hide, nothing that he can hide from God. And we might think that that sort of awareness, that sort of being known, would create some apprehension in David, some vulnerability, that that, that, that might be a bad thing. I mean, that's terrifying, isn't it? Think about the thoughts that you have that you filter out. Think about the, the desires you have that you don't always act upon, the desires that you have to restrict because you know that's not right. But God sees it all, whether you act on it or not. The impulses you have to restrain. Think about the things that you would only act upon if you knew that no one else would ever know or that you'd never get caught. David, David has those things in his life. We have the stories in Scripture about things that David did thinking he could get away with it. And God, and God knew Nothing was hidden from him. So, so this idea that God is omniscient 
And as we move on, we're going to see that God is also omnipresent. There's nowhere that David can go where God can't see at his core. You might think that'd be terrifying, but I want you to look at how David responds. This, the next verse says, 139.6, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's high. I cannot attain it. Do you realize that David is not repelled by God's awareness? He's delighted by it. He finds it to be unimaginably good, wonderful, and comforting. Why do you think that is? I mean, if we stop and think about, if we dial it up to our awareness, we probably all realize that if there's a creator and he's a personal God, that he knows everything about us. But when you actually stop and dial that up to our awareness, when we bring ourselves before God in personal prayer, to think that he knows everything, that, you know, nothing is hidden, everything's exposed, Shouldn't that be somewhat intimidating and terrifying? And it's not. And here's why. Because David has given himself to meditating upon and rooting into God's character, God's nature. With anyone else, that might not be a safe thing. With anyone else, to be completely known, to be completely transparent might not be a safe thing. But because David knows God's character, because he's rooted into what God has revealed about himself— David can celebrate that and say, the fact that you know me is wonderful. It's, it's beyond my comprehension. David has been meditating on a passage in Exodus. It shows up throughout his prayer life. It's from Exodus chapter 34. The context of Exodus 34, it's a time when God had, has promised that his faithful presence will be with Moses and with the people of Israel. Their first generation out of, out of Egypt, as they, they came out of Egypt and they, they stopped Mount Sinai, they made a covenant. They said, God said, I'm going to be your God. And they said, we'll be your people and we'll follow you faithfully. And then they immediately blew it with a massive national failure. Massive moral failure on a national scale. And the question is, okay, what happens? Is the covenant that we have with God now broken? And God says, I'm still going to go with you. I'm still going to, to, to go with you. And he says it to Moses, he says, Moses, I know you by name. That doesn't mean he knows the name Moses or whatever Moses' surname is. It means he knows who Moses is at his very core. Someone's name was, was carried their essence of who they are. He says, Moses, I know you by name. And Moses says, yeah, but I want to know you by name. I want to know your essence. I want to know what you're like. I want to know your character. So this is what God says to him. This is Exodus 34. The Lord descended in the cloud and he stood with him there, meaning Moses, and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and he proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty. That, that little revelation, that condensed, succinct revelation of who God is became the basis of Israel's relationship with God over the next several generations. Well, and to this day. And, and, and the language of that shows up all through Scripture. Every time Israel, whether individually as a, maybe an, a king or, a, or a, a person, a prophet, in this case, David, sometimes a personal, personally praying, sometimes when there was corporate prayer because they found themselves in trouble with uh, some sort of national crisis. 
people would go back to the same place and say, okay, God, you said, you said that you are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Would you do it again? <laughs> what you did before, would you do it again? I listed there at the bottom of that, that, that slide just a few psalms. I'll put that back up for a second. Those Psalms 36, 57, 86, 103, 145, those are all just samples of David's Psalms, ones that he wrote, prayers that he wrote, songs that he wrote, and they are shaped. They're, that language of that revelation from Exodus 34 permeates it. This, this, David has meditated on this so that it just oozes out in his prayer life. And so when it comes to this idea that God knows him as he truly is, he can celebrate that because he knows, well, God, God sees everything, even the things like, I mean, David has, he's murdered. He's taken someone else's wife. I mean, he's done some pretty despicable things. And he knows that God is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. Let's go back to Psalm 139. Where shall I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. Your right hand shall hold me. These first 12 verses of, of David, is, he's, he's moved from, from celebrating God's omniscience to now God's omnipresence. God is everywhere at all times. David dials it up to his awareness that there's nowhere he can go, even when he feels like it even when he feels distant from God, even when he has the desire to hide from God, there's nowhere he can go where God's not present. He speaks poetically here of the four points of the compass. He talks about even if I ascend to heaven or if I descend to Sheol, Sheol would be the equivalent of, of, of the grave or the underworld. And so it's kind of like up and down. And then he talks about the morning and, and the sea, which would, for him would be the rising of the sun in the, in the east and the and the west was the Mediterranean Sea. West for you. He's talking about, he says, there's nowhere. As far as the east is from the west. He goes on. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light around me become night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day for darkness is as light with you. In the words of Ruth Haley Barton, she says, there is no place so dark that the light of God's presence cannot penetrate it. That means there's no circumstance you find yourself in. There's no feeling you have. No, no emotion, no depression. There's, there's nothing so dark that God's light cannot penetrate it. Taken together, these first 12 verses, these are the foundation. These are the launching point for David's personal prayer as he brings himself before God. David is awakened to and reminded of the truth that he is utterly loved by God, that there's nothing he can do, nowhere he can go, Nothing God can find out about him that would separate him from God's love. From here, David moves into considering his own uniqueness as an image bearer of God, created by God, not an accident. Note that he's not immediately going to, to the things that, from here, as he says, okay, God, you know everything, you're aware of everything, there's nowhere where I can hide from you. But he doesn't go straight to, okay, so what do you want to criticize? He goes to the things that are good. It begins with his inherent goodness that God has made in him. Let's read Psalm 139. For you formed my inward parts. 
You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it well. When he sings, there's times when David celebrates God's creation in general. Right now he's celebrating the way that God's created him. He says, wonderful are your works. I'm, I'm unique among all of creation. And there's things that you've placed in me that, are, that reflect your image that are good. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I could count them, they are more than the sand. And when I awake, I'm still with you. Do you realize how psychologically healthy this actually is? How spiritually healthy, how emotionally healthy. David is able to place himself before God, knowing that he's flawed, and yet to celebrate and experience the goodness that God's placed within him. He reminds himself that God's thoughts about him originate from God's loving creation of David. That God formed him lovingly, intimately. That, that when God designed him, it was out of joy. It was a choice. That God actually likes him. Do you know this? That God doesn't just love you with an abstract love. God likes you. David leans into this. So to summarize this far, David says, God, you know everything about me. You know me better than I know myself. There's nowhere I can go to hide from you, even if I try. And yet your thoughts, thoughts toward me are of your loving creation. You formed and created me out of love. You know me and you like me. And then he says this, Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with a complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Is that not really jarring? It feels like it came from a different psalm. I mean, there are psalms where David complains about the, his enemies. It doesn't seem to fit in this one, does it? It's like there's been this nice piano melody playing, and all of a sudden there's like, you know, distorted guitars. Like, I hate these people. Like, what? So here's the question. Because when we read it, it's not clear. Is he boasting or is he confessing? Is he boasting that there's hatred in his heart towards God's enemies, or is he confessing it? And I don't think David knows. I think he's got a little bit of a question, some discomfort about what's in his heart, and he's not sure, is this righteous anger, or is this crossed a line? Because where he goes with this, he says, okay, God, there it is. This is what I'm experiencing right now. In this moment, here's what's true about me. I've got a lot of people that I have got some grudges against, some people that I hate and despise. And so there it is. Search me and know me. He's inviting God to see him as he truly is. And having done so, to refine, to correct, to shape, to transform whatever he sees in him. Here's the thing. Here's the key. John Ortberg said this, and this is just a beautiful, succinct statement. Prayer isn't a place to be good. It's a place to be honest. Doesn't that capture it? Prayer isn't a place to be good. It's a place to be honest. So having done all of that, having, having reminded himself of God's nature, his, his omniscience, his omnipresence, his goodness, his favor, his, his graciousness and kindness, 
David then says, okay, well, here's what's true about me today. Would you search me? Here's how he ends. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there's any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David ends the prayer with the same theme he began with, God's personal omniscience of him. And he invites God to shape him according to whatever God is seeing. David doesn't fear being canceled by God. (laughs) He's so rooted in the knowledge that he's loved by God that he can yield himself to God and invite God to actually change him. To not just change the external, not just change what people see, but to change him at his very core. This is why we're beginning the six weeks of in, in personal prayer. Because what we bring to the world, it has to begin here with people who are engaged in intentional pursuit of God, intimate pursuit of God, where we're opening ourselves before him and allowing him to transform us so that what we bring to the world actually reflects his nature. I, I love this prayer. And I, I pray through this. And, you know, I, I get to that place where, where David's confessing what's true about him and inviting God to search him. And sometimes I just pause there and say, okay, God, what do you see in me today? And I just wait. What, what do you see in me that distorts your image to myself? Where, 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 where have I formed idols of who you are that are not true? I've tried to make you in my image. Would you show me that? Would you show me how I distort your image to others? As I, as I am supposed to be your image bearer in this world, in my, my, my household, in my family, in, in my community, where am I distorting your image by the way I carry myself? Where am I blocking our intimacy? What am I doing that's keeping us from being as close as we can be? What am I doing that's, that's limiting my joy, the, the abundant life you've made for me? Whatever you see in me, would you place your finger on that and bring healing to it? And then I wait. Sometimes God shows me something that I wasn't aware of. He brings to mind a relationship, somebody that I, is going on in the background, somebody I'm, I'm, I'm in conflict with or I'm bothered by or I have judgments about. And I get to bring that before him and say, okay, God, would you search me? I'm not going to let myself off the hook with this. I don't know if, if my perspective on this is righteous or not. Would you search me? And whatever you see, would you transform me into your image? This is at the heart of personal prayer. And I think this Psalm 139 is a powerful place. Our worship team is going to come. And, you know, we, we started today in our opening set. We did a song. It's an, oldie, it's an old vineyard song, but it's not just an old vineyard song. It actually comes from Psalm 103. It's one of those Psalms of David where David was thinking about God's character as revealed in Exodus 34 and was singing that. He was proclaiming that. He was rooting into God's character. And so today, as we begin to launch this 40 days of prayer, we're going to sing that song again because it's about God's character. And I want to invite you, would you, maybe would you, if you're here on campus, would you stand with me? If you're, uh, if you're joining online, I would encourage you to, to, to choose a posture that, that suggests openness and attentiveness to God. And as we sing this song, let's invite God to do this work in us, to, to root us into this revelation of who he is. The Lord is gracious. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and 
gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, slow to anger, and rich in love. The Lord is good to all, and the Lord is good to all, and He has compassion on all that He has made, as far as the east. Far as the east is from the west, that's how far He has removed our transgressions from us. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far He has removed our transgressions. The Lord is gracious. Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, slow to anger, and rich in love. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, yes he is, slow to anger, and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. You know, as we launch into this 40 days, I, said, I want to give an opportunity that if, you know, that, that line we just sang comes straight from Psalm 103, straight from David's revelation about God's nature. This is true that God, what God has made available in the person of Jesus Christ and in, in his son through the, through the, the, his death on the cross, through the, the resurrection at the empty tomb. He's made forgiveness of our sin and new life now available. That's, that's, that's the gospel. It's really simple. That we have fallen short of God's glory. We've, we've chosen our own path. We've rebelled against him. And he's chosen a posture towards his creation of forgiveness and reconciliation and restoration and new life. That's what he's made available. It's available for everyone and it's appropriated personally by faith when we respond and we say, what you've done, I receive. As we sang this song, as far as the east is from the west, many of us remember what it was like to first experience God's forgiveness personally. 
to remember what it was like the first time that we felt God's cleansing and to know that, that we were forgiven. The forgiveness that we come back to because we, we still fall short, so we keep coming back to it. But if you don't have that moment where you know that you personally responded to God in faith and said, God, uh, I know that what you did, that I need that to be for me too. That, that I've fallen short of, of, of you. I've, I've sinned against you. I've done things that I shouldn't have done. I haven't done everything that I should have done. So I want to ask for your forgiveness and your new life. And God's promise is that the moment that we surrender to him in faith, you're actually going to see this. Our, our very first devotion that we're in today, this one in Peter, it's going to talk about the, the beginning of this is all as a place of faith. And in faith, we receive this thing that we can't quite quantify, but we can say, God, I receive from you everything that you have for me. I yield my life to you. I surrender my life to you. You're in charge. Transform me into who you've made me to be. And God's promise is that he forgives our sin. He places his spirit inside of us. He gives us a new heart, a new birth. It's a spiritual rebirth. And, and he begins shaping us into who he's made us to be. Begins restoring us, healing us, commissioning us, empowering us, sending us. I remember when I had that moment, many, many people in this room and, and joining on campus or online had this experience at some point. Sometimes it happened in a room like this. Sometimes it happened when a, a friend or a family member led us in prayer. For me, it happened alone in my truck as I drove up Highway 55 towards McCall. But there's a moment where we respond in faith that begins a journey of faith. And as we begin this 40 days, I just want to give you the opportunity. If you've never begun that journey of faith, that you maybe you've been in the the fringes of a of, of faith community, but you've never responded personally. Say, God, I want this. I just want to invite you to raise your hand. And I just want to pray for you right where you are before we leave today, because this, this 40 days of prayer all begins with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So I'm going to give you a moment. And there's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to lead us in a corporate prayer. But I want, if you want to respond in faith today, would you just raise your hand? got your hand up, would you just keep it up? And we're going to ask, can we ask our prayer team members to just gather around people? Um, put your hand on their shoulder. Be, be aware of people's, uh, especially if someone's wearing a mask, please honor that. Honor each other's health. But let's, let's just like, take a moment and celebrate what God's doing. Hands here. Anybody else? Okay, I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm going to pray this over you. You can uh, join with me uh, silently. Um, joining online, you can pray as well. But if you mean this prayer, this begins a new journey with God today. Lord Jesus, I confess that uh, like all of mankind, I have chosen my own way. I've been the Lord of my own life and it hasn't worked out well. That, uh, that there's things that I've done that, uh, that have created harm for others. There's things I've done that, have, uh, that are not your ways. And I want to enter into new life with you. I want to, to be forgiven for my sin. I want to be freed from the power of sin. I want a new heart, a new life. I want to begin a journey with you in which I can be completely transparent and I can also be transformed. And so as I enter into this 40 days of prayer, God, I pray that you would meet me and shape me, transform me, 
redeem me, save me. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come upon these that have raised their hands today, that have said yes to you in faith. Would you now do what only you can do? Pray for that that awakening of hearts, the awakening of spirit. You would fill them with joy, with abundant life. And Lord, this good work that you've been doing, we trust you to finish it. We thank you for this moment, this defining moment of saying, this is, this is a, a life of faith for me now. And God, as a spiritual family, we offer you this 40 days. We pray that you would breathe upon it, that you would empower and, and equip each one of us to engage appropriately for, for our season of life. And God, would you use this to first change us and then through that to change our world consecrate this 40 days to you for your purposes, for your glory, for our joy, and for the sake of our world. Amen. Amen. Let's give it up for God. All right. Um, If you need prayer today uh, of any nature, we may have some words of prayer that we'll put up on the screen. Um, But regardless, if you need prayer this morning, if you go underneath the two screens on this side or if you type in your prayer online, uh, we will be glad to pray with you. Our ministry team, prayer team would be glad to pray with you. Apart from that, go and make the invisible God visible. Thanks for listening. To respond or receive prayer after the live stream closes, please email prayer at vineyardboise.org. And if possible, include your phone number. We'd love to get in touch with you. Thanks.